Amen. All right, Bobby, you ready? Hey, it started off just like any other typical day. People were traveling to work and kids were heading off to school in the city that was bustling with the usual activity. But little did these people know that in just a matter of moments, a, listen, a deadly silent killer would be loosed upon them. Some say it was an accident. Some others say it was a, listen, a deliberate act of a disgruntled employee. Whoa. But one thing was for sure, in the early hours of this morning, a pesticide plant accidentally released 40 tons, 40 tons of a poisonous gas that began to spread like an invisible plague. One minute people were walking along, the next minute they were dead instantly, thousands of them. But that was just the beginning. Soon the gas moved along the, the ground, fanning out into the surrounding communities, killing animals and especially, unfortunately, children since they were closer to the ground. Some began to cough, others began to vomit, some simply just suffocated to death right there on the spot. And then to make matters worse, when the people realized what was going on, they began to panic and they began to run. And this caused even more people to die because now they were being trampled to death. And when all was said and done, this once bustling city was now bustling all right, but bustling with a mass of amount of funerals and cremation and mass bodies being disposed in the local river. Wow, why? Because in just a few hours' time, 200,000 people were injured and 20,000 people were dead. The year was 1984. The disaster occurred in Bhopal, India. Anybody remember that one? Wow, praise God all of one of you. Give it up for Mark. Mark, Mark, the history buff guy. That's right. He, thank you. I'm glad you're here. It works well with my opening story. But I think we could all agree, hello, you know, whether you heard of the Bhopal, India gas leak accident. Man, with all due respect, how many guys would say that's a horrible disaster? Can you imagine that? That really happened, okay? And again, you guys know the theme with all due respect to those who lost their lives in that uh, gas leak. What if I were to tell you I know of a disaster that makes that chemical spill look like a skip in the park? Okay, and what if I were to tell you that this disaster didn't occur at one place, at one country, at one time, but it's going on right now, today, all over the world, and it's been leaving a trail of death and destruction for centuries. Once again, we are talking about the satanic war on the Christian. And once again, the facts are this. We Christians need to wake up. We don't battle here and there once in a while. Are you kidding me? We go to war. That's the language from the Bible. We go to war every single day. In fact, the moment you got saved, you entered into a spiritual war against a demonic host whose sole purpose is to destroy you and to extinguish your effect for Jesus Christ. And so in order for you and I to stop getting duped and unnecessarily so beat up all over the place, we're going to continue our study, the satanic war on the Christian. Now we've already seen if you're going to win a war, what's the first thing you got to do, Bobby? Know who your opponent, your enemy is, okay? The second thing we saw is what your enemy is like. The third thing, the tactic of your enemy, what they're up to, what's their goal. That led to the fourth thing, that means the destruction caused by your enemy. And the last five times we saw the fifth thing is the temptation from the enemy. We have got to deal with this every single day. Believe it or not, there is a host of spiritual entity, evil, wicked things out there whose sole purpose is to tempt you and to try to get you to sin against God. Right, And he does that in various ways. Now, last time we saw the third temptation he fires at you and I is the temptation of the troubled Christian. Okay, And we saw how the enemy will actually trick us into, listen, not learning when he tempts us so that we are always walking around troubled. We're just getting blindsided all the time. And when we don't have to. Now, we saw he does it a couple different ways. One, when you're the most vulnerable. Remember that? And we saw that he does that when we're all alone. That's a vulnerable point, right? He also does it right before we saw scripturally and also right after a spiritual successful moment, okay? Then we saw the second time he does it is when you're least resistant. Remember that? Both ends of the spectrum, either when you're totally wiped out and exhausted, you can't even put up a fight against temptation, or when you're completely bored and you got way too much time 
on your hands, and your old brain starts going, la, 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 la. what can I do now to appease my flesh? Not the best place to be in, okay? But that's not all. The fourth temptation that he fires at you and I, okay, is the attack, the temptation of becoming not just a troubled Christian, okay, but now becoming a terrified Christian, <laughs> Right? That's that look you get when you're at the, the, the grocery store and they ask you that, that, that terrifying question, would you like paper or plastic? It's even worse than that, Okay, believe it or not. Okay, but don't take my word for it. Let's listen to God. So open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6 is our opening text there. Ephesians chapter 6, we're going to take a look at the classic passage Okay, of why the good news is we don't need to be terrified, even though we are in a daily spiritual war. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 through 18, let's grab the whole context here, and why the good news is we don't need to be afraid. You don't have to walk around Christian, not only just not being troubled, you don't need to walk around and be terrified all the time, even though there really is a spiritual entity out there, tons of them, trying to get you every single day. Let's take a look there as we stand and read God's holy word, right? Verse 10 says this, what? Finally, be what? Strong in yourself, strong in man's techniques, strong in that technique. The guy said, you need to scream at a demon, call out it. No, strong in who? Strong in the Lord and in his mighty power, right? So what do you do? You put on the full armor of God so that you can what? Take your stand against the devil's scheme, not be terrified, Why? Because we're in a war. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So that's really going on every single day. I didn't make it up. God said it. Therefore, in light of that daily war, what do you do? Again, put on some of the armor of God. No, put the whole thing on. Put on the full armor of God so that not if, but when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you've done everything to stand. Well, how do you do that? Well, he starts breaking it down. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness also in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. And in addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, which which you can extinguish some, no, all the flaming arrows of the evil one. And then take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And finally, pray in the spirit on all occasions, not just once in a while, with all kinds of prayers and requests. And with this in mind, be what? alert and how long always keep on praying for all the saints you're not the only one going through this time of torment and temptation it happens to every single true born again christian around the world you may be seated but what we see here in our text is that the battles that you and i face christian on a daily basis once again common sense we've already dealt with this the scripture is loud and clear on this obvious point not all the battles that we face every single day when we get out of bed they're not just physical A lot of times they are supernatural, right? It's spiritual. That's why those arguments start. That's why that thought came into your head. There was a, what did that come from? Whoa, what's going on? That's why you see all the calamity in the world. It's not just physical. There's a spiritual element behind it, right? The the scripture says, Paul says, we're not just fighting against flesh and blood. What Jesus say? It's not just natural. It's just not, well, that's just you know, humanity and showing its downside. No, it's a spiritual war out there that's causing a lot of this stuff that's going on. The devil and his demons is the context. He breaks it down there, okay? And how many times are we saying this? I just said it again in the opening. We are in a cakewalk. This is awesome. Every day we get up, it's awesome. Just flowers and fluffy and peaches and cream. And how many guys even like peaches and cream? We always say that. We always, right? It's just, just so wonderful. We just skip around. And, no. Every single day, we are in a war, whether you want to see it, feel it, believe it or not. 
And this is all Paul is reiterating. But now that's the bad news. That's the wake-up call in our anti-supernatural, listen, not just the world, even the church today. And as we saw before, it's so hard to teach on spiritual warfare. It's so hard to deal with demonic issues and even the devil because you got a whole camp in the church that's taking it way over the edge. But that doesn't mean you go to the other extreme and don't act like it's not real. And that's what we're trying to do is strike that balance, okay? So that's the daily war that we're in. Now, the good news was what? We don't need to be terrified. We're just saying about it. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in this world. In fact, God knows. He, he didn't just say, hey, you guys are in a war. <laughs> good luck. He says, what? I'll take care of that too. I took care of your salvation. I took care of your eternal destiny. I took care of your sins. I rescued from hell. Guess what? I'm going to give you the armor from me, the armor of God. You put that baby on, stand firm. God has taken care of everything, our eternal destiny, even the daily war that we live in. We don't have to be terrified. All we got to do is just do what God says to do, stand firm in Christ, put on his armor, and guess what? All, not some, all the fiery darts of the evil one, just fizzle out. I don't have to be worried. I don't have to walk around being a scaredy cat, terrified as a Christian. And guess who also knows this? The devil. He knows this. He knows that he can't penetrate the armor of God. He knows that if we just do what God says to do, he can't touch us. All that stuff fizzles out. Oh, he'll still try. But he knows he's the big loser, right? The big loser, right? So here's what he does. Once again, we saw last week, he gets us to resort to techniques. He gets us to do anything and everything but put on the armor of God and stand firm in Christ. And instead, you got a whole element out there that people got all these secret techniques that if you just do this and, and, if you, and only the spiritual elite can lay hands and get rid of that demon. And, uh, what? No. And once you resort to that stuff, guess what? You're not standing firm in God. You don't have the armor of God and the enemy is going to have a heyday with you. And those techniques, those man-made techniques, that's why I said, and this is coming from who? You stand firm in who? In the Lord. In who? Whose power? God's power. Almighty God's power. You, you put on what? Man's technique? No, you put on the armor of God. You do that, things are great. But again, the enemy gets us to do anything but that. And man's techniques, folks, once again, are about as useless. They're about as useless as these worship songs. Let's take a look at them. I was reading this thing in the news several months ago, and it was, uh, this is a news story talking about the existence of atheist megachurches. I mean, what do you do there? Do you sing worship songs at an atheist church? What do you say? Like, shout to the void, all the earth, let us sing. Power and majesty, praise to nothing. What do you sing to? Man, do they have children's church at the atheist megachurch? <laughs> what songs do you sing to kids at an atheist church? Like, no one loves the little children, all the children of the world. No one hears you when you cry, no one hears your lullaby. No one loves the little children of the world. Reason why, reason why we exist, but there's no reason why. Reason why, reason why we exist, but there's no reason why. A row, row, row your boat gently down the reef. Wallowing, 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 wallowing in your unbelief. Let's do the rounds. Remember the rounds? I'll, no, you don't want to do that. Okay. Let's try a new one. Evolution, this I know. For Charles Darwin told me so. 
accidentally alive. If you're weak, you won't survive. <laughs> That's the logic, right? That's what they're saying. I am an A. I am an A T. I am an A T H E I S T. And I have N O T H I N G to give me hope and certainty. And when I D I E, I will be A L O N E. Hey! <laughs> now, how many guys would say those so called worship songs are utterly useless? <laughs> it's just like, why did you even do that? What a lesson in futility, okay? And folks, I'm telling you, it's the same thing when it comes to man's techniques. All these, you buy this book, go to that seminar. These special people have some special gift. Only they can help you with spiritual warfare. <laughs> Read your Bible. It's, not, it's useless. It's about as useless as that. Because that's man's techniques. You just do what God says to do. You put on the armor of God. You stand in his mighty power. The enemy, all his stuff just fizzles out. I didn't say that. God did. Okay, so we're going to, once again, we're going to get practical, okay, with those tools so that you and I don't have to get tricked into being that terrified Christian. I don't need to be afraid, even when it comes to spiritual warfare. Now, it's getting close to the Super Bowl, so what do you need? Football analogies. That's right, two weeks in a row, we're going to have that. And the first way that you develop uh, uh, a practical tool to experience this victory over temptation, right? You don't need to be terrified, is you got to have a good offense. Does that sound manly or what? Well, it's true, okay? And the first way you develop a good offense, according to the scripture, you don't need to be terrified. The Bible says you just need to be staying sharp, right? Now, we already saw that in our opening text there, Ephesians chapter 6. What do he say? Stay alert. Right? But that's just one passage that tells us you need to not just acknowledge the spiritual warfare, you need to be on the lookout every single day. You need to stay sharp, right? Develop that good offense. Here's another passage we see that in Matthew 26, 43 41. Jesus, of course, okay, in the Garden of Gethsemane, he's with his disciples and, and he, he returned to his disciples and he found them what? Sleeping, right? And he says, okay, could you men, right? He's praying in the Garden of Gethsemane there. Could you men not keep watch with me for one hour? Come on, guys. And, and so we asked Peter, says, watch, what? Not just pray, watch, be alert, watch, and pray. Why? So that you will not fall into temptation. Here's the problem. Yeah, the Spirit's willing. You know it's a good idea. The pastor just preached on it. But the flesh is weak. That's the problem every single day, okay? Jesus clues us in what I believe is the first thing we need to do if we're going to develop this good offense be on the offense, okay? Uh, if you're not going to succumb and be terrified of the enemy's temptations, then he says, listen, the problem is your spirit, spirit is willing, but your flesh is weak. Okay, so you need to what? You need to counteract that. And the way that you counteract that is you need to stay a sharp. You need to keep alert. You need to pray on a regular basis, okay? Why? Because unless you do, temptation is going to come, and it's going to overpower you, and the next thing you know, you are sleeping at the wheel spiritually, Right? Is what he's saying. You need to stay alert. If you don't stay alert, if you don't just, hey, I'm in a spiritual warfare, and then basically go to sleep the rest of the day spiritually, the enemy's going to annihilate you. He's going to eat you alive. And as we saw, now you're back over here in the leftover land, right? Instead of dealing with it, bang, as the temptation comes, because you're looking for it, right? I'm not terrified, but I know it's going to come. And when it comes, bang, I deal with it. Have a great day. He does it 50 times a day, 50 times a day. I saw it coming, ain't falling for it. Boom, move on in Christ. Unfortunately, what are we doing? We're not even paying attention spiritually every single day. And we're always over here, oh God, would you please forgive me? We're always just in leftovers. You, it, that's not the normal Christian experience. We need to be offensive about it. We need to, listen, I'm, no, I'm keeping alert. I'm looking around. I'm staying sharp, right? I don't want to get eaten alive. 
Because the Christian life is not a game. We are in a war. This is not a cakewalk. It's not a time to dance around and have a party, right? It not, and certainly not act like it's not real. We basically listen. The scripture, Ephesians 6, Jesus here dealing with temptation. Peter also deals with it elsewhere. Be alert. Stay sharp. Every day, basically, as we've seen before, he's saying you need to develop this battle mentality. When you're in a war, what's your mindset? You're always goofing off, checking social media. <laughs> no, 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 no. You're dead meat if you do that. So basically, he's calling us to have a warfare ex mindset every day. Kind of like this video. Let's take a look. Are you ready for spiritual warfare? Every day we get out of bed, are you ready? Where's your mind, Christian? Are you prepared for spiritual warfare? Right? And again, the reason why I share that is because that's the language the Bible uses. We are in a battle. We are in the midst of a cosmic war, okay? We are soldiers for Christ, right? Every single day, we need to pay attention. We need to literally have the mindset that we're in a warfare, that we're entering into a battlefield, okay? And we need to be busy about training ourselves, honing our skills for battle. We need to, as those guys were learning, right? Before you go to war, what do you got? You go to basic training. What's basic training? What's basic spiritual training for us? You need to learn to shoot that rifle. You need to duck under the enemy's fire. You need to learn how to jump successfully over those obstacles, every single one. Why? Because in a real war, that prevents you from dying. Right? Common sense. That's why you're going out there. That's why you're ha having to go on those hikes, right? It's just because that's the military. And the military just likes to ruin your day. And no, they're trying to save your life. They're trying to prepare you for war. So that you'll have better success, uh, 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 percentage of, of survival rate. And it's the same thing that we need to do, uh, not just for World War II, not for other, some sort of conflict, but for every single day. This is what the scripture is calling us to. This is what Jesus was disappointed with the disciples. Come on, guys. How long have you been hanging out with me? We're in the midst of a war. It's right here before the cross, the Garden of the Gethsemane. This is a serious spiritual time, and you're what? Sleeping. What would happen if somebody fell asleep on the battlefield? You're dead. How well would you, how, how, would your, how would your sergeant, how would Don Russell treat you if you were in his band of men there in the military and he found you sleeping instead of hiking? Just look at Don and that says everything you need to know, okay? <laughs> you wouldn't be doing very well, right? And it's the same thing spiritually. We need to learn, listen, how to duck under the enemy's fire because it's coming, the flaming arrows, we, we, we need to learn how to jump over the, his obstacles that he, he faces and throws at us every single day. We need to what? Yield the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Why? So we don't spiritually get slaughtered as a Christian every single day. We need to stay alert. We need to stay sharp. We are in the midst of a spiritual jungle. Let me give you one more analogy. We've talked about this before. You're in like a, a jungle warfare scenario. You're out there on the hike, Right? You're out there on the patrol with a couple of the guys, right? And you're, you're, you're well-equipped. You got your armor on. You got your uh, uh, military equipment, everything ready to go, right? <clears throat> so in the midst of walking through the jungle, what's your mindset? 
Hey, John, you check Facebook lately? You see how many hit counts you got there? How many friend like? Hey, Bob, are you going to eat bacon when we get back to camp? Hey. If you act like that in the midst of a... Jo- what, what's going to happen? Charlie's going to pick you off. You're dead meat, right? And that's what he's saying. Listen, the, the scripture's saying, Jesus is saying, Paul says it, Peter says the same thing. Listen, Christian, when you get out, stop having this mindset like you're not in the midst of a war, but in the midst of a war, stay alert. Stay focused. Hey, don't let your guard down for a second. Why? Because spiritually, somebody is out there waiting to pick you off. And so we need to develop that mentality. Stay alert. Be offensive. Don't always be dealing with leftover. Be offensive. Hey, listen, I know he's coming after me today. I don't need to be terrified. I don't need to be afraid. But I'm, I'm, I'm on the lookout. I'm staying alert. I'm being watchful. I'm being prayerful. So when it comes, I can deal with it and keep moving forward. Now, that's a good offensive way. And that's what the scripture calls us to do. Because unless you do, it shows your offense is down. You're going to lose the battle. And you're going to get picked off, Christian, every single time. It doesn't have to be that way. Okay? The second way we develop a good offense is by, this, you would think this is common sense, uh, not just staying sharp, you need to stay away, right? When it comes towards you, what do you do? Hey, look at that nifty, no, run, <laughs> right? No, I didn't say that, right? Uh, Paul talks about this, right? To young pastors, uh, or Peter does, he'll talk about with, uh, uh, him later. He says this, 2 Peter 2, 7 through 8, and he rescued, listen to this, he rescued righteous Lot, Right? Talking about Abram when he goes in there, right? And where was Lot? What's the context here? Where was he living in? Sodom and Gomorrah, right? So he goes down there. He rescues righteous Lot. He was what? Not just worn out. I am greatly worn out and distressed by the wanton ways of ungodly and lawless. It's just, ah, just taking his toll on him, being in that environment, right? And for that just man living there among them, what? Look at this. Tortured his righteous soul every day. Wow. With what he saw and heard of their unlawful and wicked deeds. Now, what I want to point out on this is, have you ever thought about this? I thought this was interesting, right? You read about the account of Lot, Sodom, Gomorrah, certainly in the Old Testament, right? But oftentimes the New Testament will give you little nuggets that weren't necessarily in the Old Testament. And this is one of them that we deal with this Old Testament account. And the scripture says that, listen, it shows that Lawton, in essence, it makes you kind of wonder, was he not simply a glutton for punishment? Oh, he's a righteous man. The scripture talks about that. But was he a glutton for punishment? Now, let me explain that, okay? Because stop and think about it. In our text there, did anybody twist Lot's arm and make him stay in Sodom? Did anybody force him there in Sodom and Gomorrah to keep, as it said there, what he watched and saw. Did anybody force it? Oh, no, you don't. You're going to keep looking. You're going to keep watching that stuff in Sodom and Gomorrah. You just have to. Do we see that in the text? No. So, again, that's why it says he tortured himself every day. When here's the whole time, wouldn't it have been just easier to um, um, move? <laughs> right? Think about it. He's a righteous guy. But it's like, why do you put yourself through that? And as you go, whoa, man, this is not a good place. Sodom and Gomorrah, all that immorality. All right, guess I have to stay here. Maybe I'll build an addition onto the house. and I guess maybe plant a garden. I don't know. Maybe we can dig a pool or something, try to make the best of us. No. Get out of there. What are you doing? He tortured his soul 
every day with what he saw. Why didn't you just run? Now think about this, Christian. We too are immersed in a Sodom and Gomorrah society today, are we not? Right? And we've already dealt with this. I'm not going to go that route again multiple times. But just go back into the case of the media. That's a bunch of Sodom and Gomorrah stuff, right? So is that what we do as a Christian? We get, oh no, look at that. Look at that horrible evil and sin and the Sodom and Gomorrah stuff and they're glamorizing it. Oh, I, I guess I just have to sit here and watch it. <laughs> no, run, flee, shut it off. Same thing, right? Same thing today, right? We act like, oh, I just have no choice. Yes, you do. And that's what we need to do. We need to shut it off. You need to, don't torture yourself with that stuff. Stay away from it. Run. And again, this is what I was talking about that Paul said to young pastor Timothy, right? 2 Timothy 2. He says what? Flee. What's flee mean? Ooh, ah. Last time I get near, you know, that dog. No, wrong kind of fleas. What's he talking about? Run. Flee. Flee. What? Run. Not, he didn't say walk away from the evil desires of you. What'd he say? Flee, that's run, let's go fast, right? right? If you guys saw me over here and you caught me on tape placing an order at Kentucky Fried Chicken, what would your response be? I guess I better go tell somebody at Sunrise. Are you kidding me? You can't wait to go on Facebook. You're calling the deacons. I saw a pastor. That's the urgency there. You see something evil going on. Run, flee, get out of there, right? Don't mess with it. Flee the evil desires of youth, right? And what? Don't just stand there. Do the right thing. You want to run towards something? Run towards what? Pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart, right? Common sense, right? The Bible declares the very instant you encounter temptation, what do you do? Don't be like Lot, right? Don't be with what apparently Timothy was being uh, tempted with. Don't flirt with it. You flee from it. You don't excuse it away. You exit. You don't rationalize it. You run. Why? Because it's common sense. If you don't want to get burned with the fire, what's the last thing you do? Stick your hand in the fire. And the last thing you want to do is you stick it in the fire and you go, and you got slow reflexes. Well, Bobby. Crackle, crackle, crackle. Yeah, do you smell it? I just put my hand in the fire. Ouch. That ain't bacon. What's that smell? Yeah, it smells worse than chicken. Oh, looky there. My skin is falling off. Are you kidding me? You don't do that. You, you get even close. You don't even get your hand in the flame. You get close to it. What do you? Ah! Well, this is what he's saying. He says, why would you do that? Here comes the flaming arcs of the uh, arrows of the evil one. Here comes his flaming temptation. What do you do? I guess I had to put my hand. No, you don't run. Get out of there. Let me break it down for you, right? Listen, stay away from activities and places and people that glorify alcohol if you're tempted with alcohol. Is that a common sense for you? You got a problem with that? Then don't go there. Why would you do that? It's just like you going, you smell that? <laughs> what are you doing that for? Don't do that. Right? Let me give you another one. Stay away from sexually suggestive inputs if you're tempted with sexual immorality. Why would you do that? You smell that, Bob? Smells like I'm getting burned again. 
<laughs> what are you doing? Why'd you even allow that to run? And, and I, I know we laugh about it because it's common sense, but how many times do we do this? Here comes the temptation. Oh no, I guess I just, no. Run, flee, get out of there. A couple more. Stay away from gossips. Don't even lend an ear to them if you're tempted to gossip yourself, right? What's Proverbs say? It's, it's, gossip is like this choice morsel. Oh, it's just like a piece of filet mignon. I got to counteract that chicken thing. That filet mignon. <laughs> I just can't wait to eat it, swallow it, share it. If that's you, uh, something that you gravitate to, you, you, the moment you hear something, run. Don't eat. Sorry. Got, what? Are you avoiding me? Yes, I'm avoiding you. <laughs> Scripture actually says to avoid somebody like that. Let me break it down one more. Stay away from angry people if you don't want to become like them. What? Yeah, in fact, let me quote that verse for you. Again, Proverbs uh, says this, Proverbs 22, 24 through 25. Don't make friends with a hot-tempered man. In fact, you know what? Don't even associate with somebody that just, man, they got a short fuse, man. Easily angered. Why? Because you may learn his ways and get ensnared yourself. It's the same thing we saw before, somebody that complains all the time. You're having a great day, man. Life is good. This is awesome. Right? God's lived up to his end of the bargain, right? Uh, just seek first my kingdom, my righteousness. All these things be added unto you. Don't worry about what you're going to eat or drink or wear. Praise God. Everybody's got clothes on, right? And, and you got food. Nobody appears to be starving to death, right? Praise God, right? And things are awesome. This is great, God. Woo! But you hang around that somebody is, oh, yeah, but you don't realize. Do you see the weather and that thing there? Or the traffic. I get, and if you're not careful, what happens to you? Yeah, you're right. <laughs> Same thing when it comes to anger, the scripture says. You hang around people, man, they got a short fuse, guess what happens? You're going to become just like them. And you just blow up and barf on people all the time. Is that common sense for you? Every single one of those scenarios, I just broke it down for you, but what's the biblical rule? You see something that's tempting you, that's counterproductive to a Christ-like life, what do you do the moment it shows up? Run, flee, stay away from that thing. Don't only just look out for, oh, here it comes. I'm ready. No, I ain't falling for that. But as soon as it arrives, boom, you're in the opposite direction. You flee from it. You don't flirt from it. Don't be like Lot. Don't torture yourself every single day. Why? And and, and be be like Timothy. Stay away because unless you do, it shows your offense is down. You're going to lose the battle. Crispy, crackle, crispy, crackle. You're going to get burned every single time. And it was your own doing. didn't have to be that way. Now, the third way you develop a good offense and I, I think this is pretty obvious too. I call it spring cleaning, right? You need to spring clean once in a while, right? See, we can't control the things that go on outside of us in the world, but you can control your own world. And is your world reflecting Christ? Is it a spiritual haven, right? Do you have that mindset that nothing is going to mess with my walk and witness for Jesus Christ. Spring clean. Let's take a look at that. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 1 tells us this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us what? Strip off every weight. How much? How many things? All of them. Every weight that slows us down. Especially the what? The sin that so easily hinders our progress. And let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. 
Paul is using, obviously, a marathon, a runner analogy. And he says that you and I as Christians, if we need to persevere, we're, we're running, all right. We're in a battle. We're running. We're soldiers for Christ. But we're also, you know, in a marathon for Christ, right? And we are called to, listen, run the righteous race, not the rat race we saw last time, but the righteous race that God has marked out for us. And so since we're all running towards the prize, remember, that we run for the prize, for the high calling that we have in Christ. What Paul say? He's using a runner's analogy. It's common sense. What do you do? If there's something getting in my way to making it across the finish line, what do you do? Get rid of it. If there's something that's going to prohibit me from running at my top speed, what do I do? Get rid of it. That's what he's saying. Get rid of all the way. Get rid of the, the sin that so easily entangles. Have you guys ever tried to run with wiener dogs? <laughs> They're the coolest dog ever. And for those of you visiting, yes, I own wiener dogs, right? But it's not the best thing to do to try to run with them because they're like right here at your ankles. And apparently they don't know how to go in a straight line, right? <laughs> right? And unless you like hitting the pavement all the time, you got to be very careful. So would you take your, therefore, thus, your wiener dogs with you, a good pack of six of them, when you're trying to run the New York Marathon? No! You're going to be road pizza after the first mile. Right? And this is what he's saying, get rid of anything. Get rid of anything that would sit there that would trip you up. Get rid of anything that would, oh, 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 you have to slow down. Oh, ah! Get rid of anything that would make you fall in the middle of the race. And of course, he's talking about sin, sinful things. Anything that's going to hinder your progress, anything that's going to hamper us and make it, listen, harder for us to run. Not easier. Let me give you one more analogy. We'll move on. Remember those things back in the, I don't know if it was just the 80s thing, Remember those things they used to put on? Well, first of all, remember those leg warmer things? And I did not wear those. <laughs> I saw ladies wearing Remember the ladies that that was the big thing, right? But for us guys that wanted to demonstrate how incredible we were, we didn't just run. We didn't just jog. We put those, remember those things, ankle weights? Remember those things? You may still use those? I don't know. Ankle, you, know you know, the bigger the better, because I'm not just running. I'm running with ankle weights on. Ha, 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 ha. Look at these. Right? Can you imagine, go back to that marathon analogy. Now, first of all, it's bad enough you got the wiener dogs crisscrossing. And somebody's throwing tacks all over the place in the midst of your... Now you actually said, all right, get ready. The gun's going to go off anytime now. I got about 15 seconds. Ooh, just enough time to put my 20-pound ankle weights on. Yeah, first place, here we go. Wouldn't that be dumb? Wouldn't that be goofy? <laughs> that makes no sense. Why would you do that? The whole point is you want to be peak. I want to be moving forward. I, I got to be light. As if I gotta, Why would you do that? And again, that's what Paul says. Your mentality. You're in a war. You're in a battle. You're running hard, though. So get rid of anything that would keep you from making it across the finish line. Anything. Sin. Whatever it is. Anything that would distract you. Anything that would cause you to trip. Anything like Angle Wade says, weighing you down. Get it off. Now, what are those things? What is it in your home that is a spiritual distraction? That if Jesus were to show up, you probably would try to hide that from him. What is it? Get rid of it. Because that is weighing you down spiritually. That's like going and putting on those ankle weights. Spring clean your house. One little act of compromise. Oh, it's not that big of a deal. And then you get desensitized, don't we? And then it gets even bigger. 
And then here comes another thing. And the next thing you know, a man is like, man, why am I just kind of lethargic in my walk with Christ? Well, what have you allowed into your home? What is it that's, that's hindering you? What is it that's weighing you down? What is, it that, what, what is it? Get rid of it. This isn't about legalism. It's all about common sense. What is it that's slowing you down? What's a distraction? What's taking your focus off of Christ? What's keeping me from running the righteous race every single second of the day? Get rid of it. That's all he's saying. Get rid of it. Because unless you do, have you noticed one compromise leads to a, another compromise, which means it begins to grow. And then that one begins to grow. And the next, thing, the next thing you know, you have, listen, in your own house, Christian, a spiritual infestation like these people. Watch this. It's the mouse plague of 1993. <laughs> this shocking video was shot outside the livestock shed on the Vinnings Australian farm. Oh, look at them all. Oh, Despite the danger, Ann Venning had no choice but to wade into the mouse-infested shed to save her screeching pigs. Millions of mice had attacked their farm, and there was nothing they could do. But they're still coming out. The waterfall that came out of that shed was just enormous. It was just probably about two feet high. Millions and millions just flowing out like water. Oh, yuck. This never-before-seen video reveals that the Bennings had responded not a moment too soon. The ravenous rodents had literally started to eat some of the pigs. Yeah, don't mess with the bacon. <laughs> hey, how many guys were there for the one we did with the, the Chinese food thing? That kind of ranks up there with it, doesn't it? Remember that? It's like, ugh, ugh. Can you the waterfall? Did you see that? She just opened up the door, just and it kept on it coming and uh, two feet deep. Of, Let's close in prayer. No, I gotta finish it. <laughs> But I don't know, I, I, you guys are sharp, I know it's getting late, we're about ready to wrap it up. But you guys, I think you'll get this one. How many guys would say that, that that household had a problem with mice? Raise your hand. Right there, is it pretty obvious there? Pretty, you know, the waterfall gave it away? Okay, but, yeah, okay. but here's my whole point about bringing it, I remember watching that, I'm going, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second, that's gross! But let's back up the train a little bit here. Uh, there's probably, I don't know, two billion mice there or more. Right? Now, here's my point. Um, how, how did that kind of an invasion begin? Well, actually, it takes two for those of you hooked on reproduction stuff. Okay. <laughs> but, but think about this. I mean, stop. This actually went to my brain. Wait, wait a second. That's gross. But then at the same time, you got to have some responsibility here. Two billion. It started with two. Wouldn't it have been much easier if you say, hey, Marge, look, I open up this door to the pig barn. There's two mice there. All right. Solve that problem. Spring cleaning. Right? Now, in all seriousness, somebody didn't do something right. Somebody's, oh, apparently it's not that big of a deal. They compromised. And guess what mice do? They multiply. Right? And then it got even bigger. Yeah, I mean, probably should have stepped on when I first saw him, Marge. Yeah, now we're up to 100. All righty, what's for lunch? No, nope, you compromise. She went out there with the flame torch. Listen, 
you should have got rid of them when you first started. You never would have ended up with two billion. Can I tell you something? It's the same thing when it comes to compromising with sin. And even sin that you allow into your own home. Oh, it's not that big of a deal. It's just one of those two. No, it'll multiply. It always does. You become desensitized and you rationalize here, you rationalize there. Here comes this. Next thing you know, you got your own waterfall of sin. And you wonder why you're not running like you were with Christ, like you used to. If you got an infestation, guess what? The good news is, and apparently, unfortunately, they waited a long time. Even that mess can be cleaned up, and it got cleaned up. But don't wait until you got two billion sins going on. Deal with it when you first see it. And if there are some there right now, then what do you do? What's the good news? Just get rid of it. Spring clean. Just go home today, not tomorrow. Go home, get rid of it. That's all it is. Otherwise, it's going to create an infestation. Just deal with it. That's all the scripture saying. Get rid of anything that will slow me down. Get rid of the weights. Get rid of the sin. Get rid of the infestation. Just get rid of it and start running for Christ again. You don't have to be terrified, right? Because if you don't listen, it's going to eat you alive spiritually. Every day is going to be nipping at you. And you get no relief. It's bad enough we live in this wicked world system, but now you go home and it just doesn't stop? At least home should be a spiritual oasis. Just get rid of the infestation and have a great day. You don't have to be terrified. Now, in closing, what do you do? What do you do if you've actually become uh, that temptation, that Christian, you're, just, you're entangled in sin, you're being this onslaught, and frankly, maybe you're terrified. You say, man, what's happening with my walk with Christ? I don't know what's happening. Well, number one, you need to repent. Remember? Metanoia. It means you're going this way with your mind. Now you're going this way with your mind. You acknowledge what God says. That's wrong. I'm going to get away from it. I'm going to stay sharp. I'm going to flee from it. I'm going to do some spring cleaning. That's, I wasn't doing that before. Now I'm doing that right now, today, not tomorrow. You need to repent. You need to get right with God. You need to ask for his forgiveness. Right? Number two, you need to realize, Christian, that do you realize that Christ has set us free from bondage? Did you know that the Christian life, I'm not saying we're perfect or we'll achieve a state of perfection this side of heaven because that's a lie. But at the same time, did you know that Christ went for us on the cross to not just set us free from the penalty of sin, namely hell, he, he set us free from the power of sin. That we can experience more of a track record of victories, making it across the finish line way more than ever being slowed down by sin. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. And this is just one passage we see Paul talking about that. Galatians 5.1. It is for what? For bondage? A mediocre a spiritual walk with Christ? I just always being on the ground, always dealing with leftovers? Man, you're up one minute, you're down the next. That's all it is every single day until you get to heaven? No. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. So what do you do? Back to that word again. Stand firm then. Right? Stand firm in God's truth and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. He set us free from living this life that we're always in bondage. And, and listen, the scripture encourages us and challenges us. Therefore, Christian, seek out what Christ has won for you. Seek out that path of freedom. Do what it takes. Run with all your might for this freedom. That you could have run from oppression. Run from bondage. Like this girl did from North Korea. Watch this. I have to do this because 
this is not I'm speaking. This is the people who want to tell the world what they want to say. North Korea is an unimaginable country. There is only one channel on TV. There is no internet. We aren't free to sing, say, wear, or think what we want. North Korea is the only country in the world that executes people for making unauthorized international phone calls. North Koreans are being terrorized today. When I was growing up in North Korea, I never saw anything about love stories between men and women. No books, no songs, no press, no movies about love stories. There's no Romeo and Juliet. Every story was propaganda to brainwash us about the Kim dictators. I was born in 1993 and I was abducted at birth, even before I knew the words freedom or human rights. North Koreans are desperately seeking and dying for freedom at this moment. When I was nine years old, I saw my friend's mother publicly executed. Her crime, watching a Hollywood movie Expressing doubt about the greatness of the regime can get three generations of a family imprisoned or executed. When I was four years old, I was warned by my mother not to even whisper. The birds and mice couldn't hear me. I admitted I thought the North Korean dictator could read my mind. My father died in China after we escaped North Korea. And I had to bury him at 3 a.m. in secret. I was 14 years old. I couldn't even cry. I was afraid to be sent back to North Korea. The day I escaped North Korea, I saw my mother raped. The rapist was a Chinese broker. He targeted me. I was 13 years old. There is a saying in North Korea, women are weak, but mothers are strong. My mother allowed herself to be raped in order to protect me. North Korean refugees, about 300,000 are vulnerable in China. 70% of North Korean and teenage girls are being victimized, sometimes sold for as little as $200. We walked across the Gobi Desert following a compass. When they stopped working, we followed the stars to freedom.
I felt only the stars were with us. Mongolia was our freedom moment. Death or dignity. Under the knives, we were prepared to kill ourselves if we were going to be sent back to North Korea. We wanted to live as humans. North Korea is indescribable. No humans deserve to be oppressed just because of their birthplace. When I was crossing the Gobi Desert, scared of dying, I thought nobody in this world cared. It seemed that only the stars were with me. But you have listened to my story. You have cared. Thank you very much. She did whatever it took. She risked her life, her existence, just to make an escape. For what? Freedom. Why? Because nobody should have to live under such a satanic, oppressive regime. And if that is not obviously common sense true in the natural, physical world, then how much more is it true in the supernatural, spiritual world? This is what the scripture is calling us to. The Bible says it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. The Bible says, Christian, you need to realize you're not alone. Somebody does care. Somebody's already made the way. The one who made the stars is with you. And he's showing you the way out of not just physical, oppressive bondage, but spiritual bondage as well. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Christ has provided the way out. We got the victory in him. Just do what he says to do. Take his path. Why would you stay in an oppressive spiritual regime one second longer? Do what it takes. Risk it all. Get rid of anything that would prohibit you from making it to this freedom. Amen? Let's be those modern-day, listen, spiritual refugees for our generation, for our time, and let them know that Jesus does care, and Jesus has provided the way out of this mess. Amen? Well, hi, this is Billy Crone of Get a Life Ministries, and I hope you enjoyed today's study. But in closing, let me ask you one final question. Are you sure that if you were to die today that you go to heaven and not hell? Now, before you answer that, let me uh, share with you a couple things that the Bible says. The Bible says that God is holy and that we are not. And the wages of our sin or unholiness is death. We don't deserve to go to heaven when we die. We deserve to go down. We deserve to go to hell. Now, to make matters worse, we don't even want to admit this problem that we have, that we're separated from God not only now, but we're going to be separated from Him 
for all eternity in a place called hell. We, we, we don't even want to admit that. So once again, out of love, God gives us what's called the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments were God's x-ray, if you will, divine x-ray to, to get us to admit the problem that we have inside that's separating us from Him. Let, let, let's take a look at a few of those of God's divine x-ray. For instance, if you think that you're worthy on your own, you don't need a Savior, uh, you're going to get to heaven all by yourself, then let's take a look at God's test there. Uh, the, the Ten Commandments. The ninth one says, you shall not bear false witness. That means lying. Uh, how many of you have ever told a lie before? Raise your hand. Okay. Uh, if you didn't raise your hand, you just told one. But folks, we've all done that. That makes us a liar. The Ten Commandments, God's x-ray, showing us that we have sin that's separating us from Him. We're not holy and perfect like Him. The Fifth Commandment says this, you shall not steal. Don't ever once take anything without permission. How many of you have ever done that? Well, if we're not going to tell another lie, we, we should all admit that as well. Well, that makes us a thief now. The Bible says that God is so holy, uh, even His name is holy. And that's why the Ten Commandments says you shall not use the Lord's name in vain. And if we're honest again, folks, hey, a lot of us, how many of us have used the blessed name of Jesus Christ? The only name, the Bible says, under heaven that men might be saved. We've now turned it into a common cuss word, if you can believe that. The Bible says that's the sin of blasphemy. The Bible also says, hey, show, you want to show God you're so perfect, you have no sin? Then don't ever once commit adultery. And you might say, well, I, I've never done that, really? Jesus lays the standard before us. God looks at the heart. Man looks on the outside. Jesus said, if you ever looked with lust in your eye at another person, you've committed adultery in your heart. That's His holy standard. One more. The Bible says, okay, you think you're so good? Uh, then don't ever once commit murder. You shall not murder. And you might say, well, hey, I, at least I haven't done that one. Really? The Bible again says that the sin of hatred, wishing someone was uh, dead, is akin to the sin of murder. It's just, if you will, you pull the trigger in your heart. So, so, so how are you doing? That's just five out of ten of God's divine x-ray, by the way, uh, showing us the problem. How are you doing? Not if, but when your time comes, we're all going to stand before God. You will be forced to admit what He already knows. Hey, God, let me in. Let me in. I'm a, I'm a liar. I'm a, I'm a thief. I'm a, a blasphemer, an adulterer, and a murderer. And the Bible is clear. Such people as these will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. You're not headed to heaven in that state. You're headed to hell. But here's the good news. God said if we would just admit this, number one, then he could fix it. And it gets fixed only one way, and that's through Jesus Christ. Jesus said in the book of John, chapter 14, verse 6, He says, I am the way, the life, and the truth, and nobody comes to the Father but by me. Why? Because only Jesus lived the perfect life in our place. And Jesus died on the cross. He took the death penalty in our place so that we could be set free. And since we weren't there, and since it's a gift and we can't earn it, we have to receive that wonderful gift by faith. And the Bible says God will pardon us for our crimes, our sins, against Him. And you could actually see this analogy working uh, in the natural, in the normal world. Uh, we see this actually uh, in the courtroom. For instance, if a person is guilty and, and everybody knows they're guilty, they've committed a horrible crime and, and, and the, the sentence has passed, the judge has knocked down the gavel and says, hey, uh, you are going to jail, you are going to the death penalty for that crime. And, and we know that people, that happens all the time and they go to jail, but believe it or not, did you know there's a way for that person, even though they're guilty, to actually be set free from that crime? It's called a pardon. And the one in authority, the governor, has the part out of mercy, out of goodness, certainly nothing that that person did in jail. They can't undo the crime. It's too late. 
But out of mercy, the governor could go down there and grant that person in jail a full pardon for their crimes. And by receiving that pardon, the doors come open and they are set free and they're rescued from the death penalty. Folks, that's what God is doing every single day with us spiritually. He has allowed His Son, Jesus Christ, to take the death penalty in our place. He's pardoned us, but a pardon does you no good unless you reach out and receive it. And it's actually been on historical record that there have been people on death row who a governor has gone down out of mercy and extended to them a full pardon, but they've rejected it. And by their own doing, they went to the death penalty. Folks, don't make that same mistake for all eternity. God loves you. He's willing to forgive you of anything and everything you've ever done. All of it. Even the sins we don't even know about. He wants to pardon you and forgive you, but you must receive that by faith today. The Bible says if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, if you call upon His name, ask Him to forgive you of all your sins, believe in your heart that God raised Him from the grave, you will be saved. Please do that now. Please do that today because tomorrow may be too late. Well, this has been Billy Crown of Get a Life Ministries. Again, thank you for joining us. If there's anything that you need, if you have any questions, please don't hesitate to contact us. Our information and number and uh, things will uh, pop up here on the screen here shortly. And remember, I hope to see you in heaven. God bless.